Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren. He's a pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your portal to positive football history. It's the portal to Rose Bowl history this month because we're celebrating 100 years of the anniversary of Rose Bowl Stadium in Pasadena, California. And as always, we're trying to bring on some of these great experts and authors that know a lot about the game and the teams that played it and the players, uh, just to reflect and remember uh, some of these great Rose Bowl memories. And Rich Smelter is joining us once again to, to talk about his favorite college team uh rich welcome back to the pig pen thank you darren you know i didn't even get a chance to get cleaned up from being in the pig pen yesterday and uh can't wait to get back into it now so i just stayed in my dirty clothes so <laughs> that's a pretty sight isn't it? <laughs> that, that's the way we like it we want it sloppy you know it gets uh get oh, a yeah, tread, yeah, yeah. the mud here <laughs> oh you got it man Let, let's let's do some of this now and we're talking about the 1975 rose bowl which was from the 1974 season and it was the rubber game between, is at least the uh, the Rose Bowl rubber game between Ohio State and USC. And after two blowout victories, uh, first one by USC in seventy two, or I'm sorry, in the seventy three game, and then by Ohio State in the seventy four game, they were ready again, and uh, it, it was just great. And this whole time period, I personally thought that Ohio State and USC were always in the Rose Bowl. You know, it just it, it was just great. Yeah, it, it seems like I, that. You know, and it was kind of interesting. The, the first two games that you talked about, the two games prior, they were very similar, but opposite. You know, they were, the teams were both tied at halftime. And then the, the one team, you know, USC dominated the 73 in the second half with a bunch of rushing touchdowns. And the opposite happened the next year with Ohio State. Kind of, kind of interesting. Right. How those are almost mirrored each other. This, this rubber match is extremely interesting. And this, this one was, uh, it was, this one was way different way different than the first two. Um, Ohio State, I mean, both of these two teams were loaded. And even though Pat Hayden ran the offense for USC, it was Anthony Davis. My guy, I love Anthony Davis, as everyone will know from yesterday's show. Anthony Davis was an incredible running back. And, of course, Ohio State had the junior, Archie Griffin. And, you know, Archie Griffin ran for 1,695 yards, which, you know, that was Woody Hayes' thing, you know, grind it out, grind it out, grind it out. And it worked for them. 
they wound up being 10 and one coming into this game and they were ranked number three in the AP and number two in the coaches poll. And uh, I mean, they, they, they did tie Ohio. They, I'm sorry. They did tie Michigan for the big 10 championship, but they scored 437 mm-hmm. points and they averaged 36.4 points a game and to finish second in the, in the uh, country on that. And they gave up only 10.8 points a game. And that was for, uh, eighth in the, uh, in the, Nation. So I mean, they were they were just a wrecking machine. They had a bunch of guys. They had thirteen players going into the NFL in the 1975 draft, and um, three of them went in the first round, including Neil Colsey. And what team did Neil Colsey go to? The Oakland Raiders, and won a Super Bowl with his first year there. So just a little plug for the Raiders there. <laughs> but uh, Archie, Griffin, Archie Griffin wound up winning the Heisman Trophy, the first of his two, and uh, it was just amazing. And then on on the West Coast. You had USC, who they were supposed to be favored to be the number one team in the country. And then, miraculously, they lost their opener to Arkansas. And they were upset by Arkansas 22-7 to down in Little Rock in the season opener. But then they got mad after that, and they ran off five straight victories before a 15-15 tie at home against California. And then they won their final four games. And the most dramatic one being a season-ending 55-24 to win over number three Notre Dame, which USC trailed 24 to nothing at the half. And then Anthony Davis came on and absolutely ignited it. I mean, this game was absolutely amazing. Um, you, couldn't have, you couldn't have picked a better Hollywood script. You know, Anthony Davis just he returned the second-half kickoff, 102 yards, and then he just scored a few more touchdowns, and they came back. It was that game that kind of catapulted, I would say catapulted them into the shot at, at a national championship. And um, it, without without that, and, US, and Notre Dame was the defending national champion at that time. That's, that's right, so, yeah. And, and, and Ohio, uh, USC, they were, uh, they finished naturally in first place in the, in the pack eight at that time. And they, they were ranked number two in the AP and number one in the UPI at the end of the year. That's where they finished. But coming into the Rose Bowl, they were ranked number five in the AP and number four in the coaches poll. And ironically, undefeated Oklahoma, they were the number one ranked team in the AP, but they were on probation and, and, and ineligible for a bowl game. So the UPI excluded teams on probation and after the regular season, the UPI had Alabama number one, followed by Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and Auburn. And then I'm going to explain to you what, what happened on this. First off, Alabama lost their Orange Bowl game uh, to Notre Dame. So Notre Dame helped out the winner of this game to get to the national championship, let's say. But uh, So if it wasn't for Alabama losing to Notre Dame, the team that won this game, I think you know where I'm going with this. They won, they won the national championship, at least a share of the national championship. So, are we ready to talk about the Rose Bowl now? Ready to jump in? Absolutely. That's that's, right. what, that's what we're living for this month. All right. Now, again, coming into this game, USC was number five, Ohio State number three, and it was the third straight year that the Trojans and Buckeyes faced each other on New Year's Day. In the first two meetings, the results were one-sided. But on this one, the final chapter in this trilogy, the best was saved for last. The Buckeyes came into this game with a 10-1 and record and newly crowned Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin, which we just talked about. And besides the exciting abilities of running back Griffin, 
The Buckeyes were solid at all the other positions and were favored in this game by five and a half points. A massive crowd of 106,721 filled the Rose Bowl in anticipation of a running back duel between Griffin and Heisman Trophy runner-up, my guy, Anthony Davis. In the hopes of a great show between these two great running backs, they had never materialized. Unfortunately, Anthony Davis injured his ribs in the second quarter and did not return to the game. But before he left, Davis did carry the ball 13 times for 67 yards, which for me personally would be an incredible game. But, you know, for Anthony Davis, not really. Uh, The Trojans struck first on a field goal from 30 yards out in the opening quarter. And then the Buckeyes took a 7-3 to lead into the locker room at the end of the first half on a Champ Henson two-yard run and a Tom Claiborne conversion kick. Now, after the scoreless third quarter, the Trojans moved back on top 10-7 to when tight end Jim Obradovich cut a nine-yard scoring strike from Pat Hayden, and the extra point was added. Ohio State then took a 17-10 lead on a three-yard run from Cornelius Green, the quarterback, who he was a quarterback, but really he was, again, in Woody Hayes' offense, maybe he threw five times in the year. Great. And uh, they added a 32-yard field goal from Clavin. With six minutes to go, the Trojans took possession on their own 17. With Davis watching from the sidelines, nursing his painful ribs, his backup, Alan Carter, lived up to the proud USC tailback tradition by blasting through the Ohio State defense for a gain of 30 yards. For the game, Carter tied Archie Griffin for game-high rushing honors with 75 yards. And coming into this game, Griffin had an NCAA record of 22 straight 100-yard performances, but the Trojan defense, led by three-time All-American linebacker Richard Batman Woods, they did their part to make sure that the streak did not continue. Fullbacks Dave Farmer and Ricky Bell Another guy that, you know, in a, in a probably in a day or two, you're going to be hearing a lot about Ricky Bell, picked up vital yards to keep the drive going, and the Trojans were now at the Ohio State 38. On first and 10, quarterback Pat Hayden teamed up with his longtime friend, J.K. McKay, who was the son of head coach John McKay, and they went to school together, a lot of success there. As a matter of fact, Pat Hayden moved in with the McKays so that he could continue to go to – to school with John McKay's uh, John McKay's son when his family moved to the Bay Area. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was it was a pretty cool little thing that they were that close of friends. And this this hookup with Hayden and McKay turned out to be one of USC's all time classic scoring strikes. McKay was able to get between defenders Steve Lukey and in the right corner of the end zone. And the result was a six-pointer that cut the Buckeyes' lead to one point. Now, after head coach John McKay saw his son and Hayden connect for the touchdown, he had no doubt in his mind what he wanted to do next. He decided to gamble on a two-point conversion with everything hanging on the line and put the game into the trusting hands of his quarterback, Pat Hayden. Hayden rolled out and passed to Sheldon Diggs. Yes, Sheldon Diggs. This name will live on forever in in USC history because he made a spectacular diving catch while on his knees in the end zone. The score was now 18-17 to with a little more than two minutes remaining in the game. The Buckeyes had enough time to pull out a victory and got close to the USC 45. It was from there that kicker Tom Scaladini 
hopefully I pronounced that right, attempted a 62-yard field goal. It was a desperation kick. It sailed straight but fell five yards short as time ran out. That was that was how the game ended. And uh, USC wound up, wound up winning due to Alabama losing to Notre Dame. USC shot up to a share of the national championship. And uh, it, it was great, a great way to end. And uh, the guys like Pat Hayden, Richard Woods, Anthony Davis, they won two national championships in football. Anthony Davis won three more in baseball with USC. So it was just an incredible, incredible moment. And of all the history, that the, the great history that USC had on the football field, you had two of the greatest moments, you know, Anthony Davis against Notre Dame. He was the Notre Dame killer in that fantastic comeback. And then, of course, Rose Bowl with Sheldon Diggs, you know, scoring that two-point conversion. So it was just, it was just exciting. I remember watching that as a kid, and uh, I saw when, – when I saw that, I thought, oh, geez, you know, Ohio State's going to win. Even though I'm from Ohio, I was, you know, true and true USC fan all, all the way, and uh, – which I'm sorry, Buckeye fans, my wife included, who she, she went to Ohio State, but uh, she still loves me, I think. But uh, I think, <laughs> well, except when Ohio State's playing USC, and <laughs> she's <laughs> so she hears this show. But uh, we all better listen to this show. <laughs> this is the one episode she won't. But uh, love you, honey. But, <laughs> but uh, it, it was just incredible. I was watching this, and then all of a sudden, when J.K. McKay caught that pass, and I, I thought, oh my gosh, okay, they're they're still down, you know, by a point. And then when McKay, McKay rolled out, or I'm sorry, when Hayden rolled out and hit Diggs, I mean, it was like, oh my gosh. But there's still, like I said, there's still time left. And I it kind of held my breath, even with that 62 yard field goal. You know, I mean, it, it was like, you know, stranger things have happened. And uh, so it sent Woody Hayes to the locker room as a loser, which I'm sure he was not happy about. Because remember, that was the year uh, 74 was the year he he punched a photographer when they lost their only game before this one to Michigan State. Right, yeah. out. So, you know, Woody wasn't the, Woody wasn't the most uh, passive guy. You know? But he I think, came that, back I to think this another... Rose Bowl ended up being his last game he coached because of that that punch. I think he got let go. Oh, oh it... no, no. That was in uh, 78. That was in 78. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, when was... Yeah, that's when he punched Charlie Bauman, the, the uh, linebacker from Okay, Clemson. that's right. Yeah, that's right. That and was that, late, that... years later. You're right. That, that was still four years in the future when when he punched this photographer that was uh, trying to get his trying to get close to him. So, um, and this was John McKay's last Rose Bowl coaching the uh, the Trojans then because then he went he went uh, played in the Liberty Bowl in 1975, and then he went on to coach the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Huh. This game, you know, the '75 uh, Rose Bowl has got to be probably one of the greatest Rose Bowls in history out of all 108 that have been played so far. This is one of the best. It's probably right up there with that that Texas uh, USC game in what 2005 or whenever when Vince Young. Oh, uh, yeah, that broke my heart. Yeah, but but I mean, they're just but as a as a fan, I mean, I'm not a fan of either team. But to watch this game, and I, I just I got had the opportunity of watching this game and watching the '74 game uh, the last couple of days, uh, and I'm just watching it is just tremendous. A couple of things came came out. You know, first of all, Cornelius Green, the the quarterback in both the '74 and the '75 game, was I mean this, this dude. I mean, yeah, of course, you have Archie Griffin in the backfield, but this guy could run too. Like you said earlier, you know, he oh, wasn't yeah. really a throwing quarterback. He he ran, you know, and uh, but the, right. the guy could play. I mean, and he fit in that offense very well. 
I think I believe he went to the Dallas Cowboys after that, and I believe he was converted to a wide receiver, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, hopefully, I'm not misleading anyone, but I believe he I believe he was a wide receiver. I don't know how long he lasted if he lasted at all. That that could be. I didn't I didn't check and uh, see what he did after that. But then on the other side, you know, so he, he was a starting quarterback in both those Rose Bowls. Pat Hayden was a starting quarterback for USC in both. And you know, Pat Hayden, you know, we, he went on to play with the Rams and you know what a great collegian right. he was too. You know, talking about the you know being a gamer at the end Smart. and that the two point conversion. But uh, the other he thing is being the co MVP. Right. So right. he wound up being the co MVP in that game with J.K. McKay. Also. Right. Uh, but just the the confidence that that Coach McKay had in, in those players to go for it. And but I'm sitting here thinking about it at watching the end of that game. I'm thinking, okay, he he goes for two. I, I knew he was going for two, but at the time, you know, it had to be really exciting. You know, you're think people had to be going, you know, what is he doing? Go for the tie. But there's no tiebreaker at that time. There's no overtime. There's no you know starting at the 25. They didn't have that in college football. It would have been when it hits zeros, it's a tie game if it's a tie score. Oh, sure. So imagine what that would have done to the national championship picture. Is, probably is would have made Ohio State. I believe Ohio State probably would have probably would have been a, a, a co-champion. You I think believe so? They would probably I, I believe so, think- yeah. I started thinking, okay, maybe Alabama's back in the mix, and if if those two tie, you know, you know, Oklahoma, you know, the only one polls letting Oklahoma in because of the probation, or you know, the other two. Right. They major wound up polls. being they wound up being the other they wound up being the co national champs. Oklahoma did that year, right? But so they, because they it was like the the was it the AP or the the AP or UPI? One of them said that it was Oklahoma was the national champion by themselves. Right. I think yeah. when they combined, they they said. Uh, for the co-champions, but they were each picking yeah, one. UPI, UPI uh, gave USC the nod. On that. Okay, so and, it must have been AP he, was given Oklahoma the nod. Yes. So I mean, but yes. just what a what a it would have been a bigger mess of trying to select a national champion if they tied. So John McKay making that decision and you know going for it, just having that gut feeling or whatever whatever coaches get when they decide they want to do that, and. uh I mean, it, it could have been disastrous. They could have dropped all the way to you know fifth or sixth in the polls that year from uh, oh, absolutely. The national champions. Absolutely. So because, because, yeah, I mean, I that, that's why I think I think you I think Ohio State would have been a national. Uh, you know, they they probably would have because they would have wound up being you know ten one and one in that at, at that point. So I th- I think that could that probably would have that probably would have given them a share share of that championship, but. um like I said, John McKay gambled. He gambled at it. And this was his last Rose Bowl, as I said. He wound up with a 5-3 and three record in there, and he tied Howard Jones, the great Howard Jones, which I'm sure that you've talked about, you know, numerous times on, on the Rose Bowls, and tied him for victories. For uh, So, hmm. you know, not bad company. John McKay yes. and Howard Jones, I mean, amazing. Absolutely yeah, amazing. Some, some great uh, Southern Cal coaches, that's for sure. So, yeah, that's, that's some yeah, great history. Him. I love that game. That's a great game. And Pat Hayden wasn't only, you know, the court. Pat Hayden was a Rhodes Scholar also. He was a very, very highly intelligent man. You know, oh, I really? believe he studied. I believe he went. I, I I believe that he went over to Oxford to study for a while overseas in uh, England. No kidding. So I, huh. believe, I believe that he, did, and he was a Rhodes Scholar and very, very intelligent. So yeah, he wow. had it all. You know, he had the brains, the talent. And he did quite well in the pros also. Where you know Archie Griffin didn't do very well in the pros. Uh, he he was on that was on that roster for the Cincinnati Bengals when they won the 1981 AFC Championship, and 
Anthony Davis, he had a couple years up in Montreal, I believe, uh, with the Montreal Alouettes. And I believe he was uh, tried out either with the Jets or something he was in the WFL with the Southern California Sun for a while. And uh, he did pretty well there, and then the league folded. So he just kind of got lost in lost in um, the shuffle there. But when you first looked at this, you thought, you know, Anthony Davis, Archie Griffin, these two guys were going to be, you know, phenomenal professional football players that, you know, the, probably Jim Brown, who, who was the NFL's all-time leading rusher at that time, those records probably were going to be in jeopardy with these two going at each other. And it was, you know, it was going to be almost like, I thought like a professional version of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson in basketball. You know, these two guys were going to be, you know, one and two, one and two, all the way through very successful pro careers, but it didn't work out that way. Yeah, it's amazing how many times uh, the Heisman winners don't really have great professional careers, even though they were superstars. It's I think it probably happens more times than not that uh, Heisman winners, you know, you think about like Charlie Wards and, uh, you know, guys like that and, you know, and Davis and. and Toretta's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, Gino Toretta. yeah. And it it just, then you have the other side of the coin with uh, Tony Dorsett. You know, but he wound up going to the right system. I believe it. I believe it depends on going to the right system. Um, you know, if Tony Dorsett would have gone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like he probably would have, you know, seeing that they had the number one draft pick, he could have fly. Even though John McKay was the coach there and everything, you know, he had nothing but he didn't have a whole lot of talent. You know, he had a lot of scrubs. Basic. I don't mean. I don't mean to use the term scrubs. He had a lot of people that other teams were casting off into the uh, expansion draft. So, i.e., they weren't wanted by these other teams. And how are you going to put together a winner in a couple of years? So, Dorsett probably would have gotten eaten up, kind of like Tim Couch did with the Browns. You know, when he came, I mean, he didn't win the Heisman or anything, but Tim Couch had a lot of talent, and, and I think I think Tim Couch in the right system would have been a great quarterback. But he gets thrown into a system, an expansion team, and look what happens. So, I think that could have happened to Dorsett. He happened to go to the Cowboys, you know. Yeah, I, I, I know we got off. I know we got off a little bit here. We got off the beat. No, no, no. That's 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 all part of the the history of it. So that's uh, it's some great stuff though, Rich. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on here and talking about these uh, great USC teams that, that you have and helping us celebrate this uh, Rose Bowl history. It's really, like I said, this is one of the the, the marquee games of these 108 and uh really glad that you could bring all this history and uh you know through your book and if you want want to please uh let us know what the title of that book is and where folks can get it it's called the usc football encyclopedia and it's available on amazon just go to amazon and just punch in usc football encyclopedia it'll come up and uh it covers the first 125 years of usc football from 1888 through the 2012 season. And um, I just enjoy it. I know it's maybe might be a little outdated. No, I'm sorry, 2014 season, but it's a little outdated maybe right now, uh, but it covers all the incredible years of USC's, USC's football. And it, it covers everything, every game. Uh, I, I believe I have a hundred play, a hundred all, you know, all, all time players, uh, biographies on all the coaches, all the little, things involved like you know the history of the cheerleaders and uh mascots and, and tommy trojan and it's the hollywood crowd involved in there and uh just absolutely uh i, I threw everything in there uh stats what, whatever somebody wants if you're a usc football fan uh please get a chance to check it out um i, I i'm very very proud of that and it was a great great opportunity to do that for a team you know for for, for someone that i just absolutely you know i just love the team I just love it. 
And uh, and I just wanted to say one more thing uh, about Anthony Davis. Um, Anthony Davis over uh, surpassed O.J. Simpson's record um, when they won the third straight championship. He set rushing records for not only the school but the Pac-8 rushing championships, um, where he had three thousand six hundred and nine yards compared to O.J. Simpson's 3,423 yards. So Anthony Davis, you know, was the all-time leader out, out west and for the school. And uh, when, when, you're, when you go to a school like Tailback University and you're the all-time leader at that time, you know, Marcus Allen eventually and Charles White, they, they Ricky Bell, they, you know, surpassed it. But um, at that time, you know, I mean, when, when you're able to go to Tailback University and all these Heismans, are being won everywhere, and you could say that you at one time were the all-time rushing champ. There, that's pretty darn good. <laughs> it it's most certainly is. So, well, you know, Rich, thanks again for for joining us, and thanks for helping us out this through this whole uh, sessions of, of the you know, Rose Bowl celebration this month. And uh, we really appreciate you, and I hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Darren. I appreciate it, and I I love I, I absolutely love doing the show. I love doing all this, and to all the USC fans out there. If you get it, as I said, if you get a chance to check out uh, the book, please, and fight on, and happy holidays. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.